Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Punk Rock MBA podcast. What's up, everybody? I'm Finn McKenty. This is the Punk Rock MBA podcast, and today's guest is somebody I'm very excited for, Lil Lotus. You may know him as one of the more popular, quote-unquote, emo rappers these days, which I think is kind of a dumb term since they don't actually rap, but whatever, that's what people call him. I'm a huge fan of his music. He recently signed Epitaph, really liked the stuff that he's doing now, and I was really excited to get a chance to sit down and talk to him kind of about how he made the transition from growing up in the like metalcore emo kind of scene to doing the solo thing, deciding to sign to Epitaph, and now going back to doing a band again. He has a new band called If I Die First, which is basically like a Seosin from first to last worship kind of thing that I think a lot of people are really liking with some other stars of the quote-unquote emo rap scene. So we get into all that, really like this conversation. Also some pretty deep stuff about mental health and addiction and stuff like that, which he's been really transparent about his struggles with that and I think this is a really, really good conversation about it. So if that is something that you or someone close to you has ever struggled with, I think you are gonna get a lot out of this one. Before we get into it, there's a couple things I wanted to mention as far as how to support the show. You can do that if you want to subscribe to our Patreon. You get every podcast a week early. There's a members-only Discord server that I'm in. There's an opportunity for me to review your band or your design portfolio or anything else you want to send my way. I also wanted to mention my social media coaching program. If you are a creator, like a YouTuber or a podcaster or something, and you want to find out how you can turn that into some kind of income, then I can help you do that. Or if you are a founder or CEO or entrepreneur who wants to grow your personal brand as a way of growing your company's brand, for example, working with an attorney, uh, somebody who does executive coaching, a chef, if you're someone like that who wants to grow your personal brand, then I can also help you with that. There's a link to that in the show notes for this if you are interested. And with that out of the way, let's get into the episode. Well, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I appreciate it. I know this is early for rock and roll hours. Yeah, I feel that. Good morning, though. <laughs> get up at the crack of noon. I've been waking up really early, though, a lot lately. I can't help it. It's, it's been weird. I'll be up at like nine looking over and seeing if my girl's awake and she's not awake so i'm like oh go back to sleep but i can't i saw you uh replied to one of my dms at like 8 15 or something i was like either he was <laughs> up all night or he's up really early for some reason yeah no i wake up like super early like the past been the, the past two weeks yeah something like that well so you've had a busy and cool year even with you know the pandemic shit and all that you know, you put out, you you know, you, you started uh, working with Epitaph, you put out a bunch of stuff. Uh, how's things been going with all that? Uh, that's been going pretty cool, pretty smooth. Epitaph's really cool. I was releasing this album and I decided to like drop it in three different parts, like three volumes. So like I dropped the first one, dropped the second one, and then we're going to drop the third one soon. But I got a music video for that coming out tomorrow. But yeah, it's been cool. And then like, the if i die first stuff kind of has just been happening like they they kind of shuffle like they just happen on top of each other and it's pretty easy to do it's been fun iidf like gets me super excited though yeah i love it and it seems like everybody i know that's heard it all the fans and stuff seem to love it too yeah i had a bunch of friends that are like people that i didn't even know listen to lotus stuff or posting about iidf so i assume that they know lotus and they're like, I see it on my Facebook and I see it on this and that. I see people like quoting lyrics and I'm like, oh, that's that song. So it's funny. Like a lot of people from my hometown were like, yeah, that's been going on. So I guess people like it. Had you been planning that for a while or did that just kind of come up or how did that happen? Me, Ned, and Zubin like had always talked about like 
like individually and together been like oh like one day like i want i want to be in a band like because like we all came from bands and kind of missed it i guess and like it happened a lot with me and ned uh mostly like we'd just be hanging out and be like yo let's make a song and then we would be talking about like making a lotus song and he'd start like producing a beat or something i'm like yo let's make it more like like a band sounding song with like maybe real drums or like the guitars are just structured different like let's like layer guitars let's like you know maybe not like so like change up the flow and make it more of like a singy like band type style or whatever and we did that a few times and like we never really finished them and then one day like ned zubin and nolan were all hanging out and they just started it and they were like lotus put vocals on this and i was like all right and then i was like we were just like yeah let's go like let's let's do it and so we did that and then we got travis and uh kale in the band and then we had a full lineup so is is that like a real band that's going to tour and stuff or is this just like a project or what where do you want to go with that because it seems like it kind of took off yeah we're definitely going to tour um if this shit ever lets up yeah we actually got this like offer recently um from some guy in texas that's doing like a drive-in theater oh yeah and it's like a drive-in show and so it's like completely social distancing and like all that but i'm like how many tickets can you sell like a hundred right like it's like you gotta fit a car but somebody offered us that uh we haven't really like looked into it in, uh, much lately but i mean i really really want to tour as soon as possible um everybody's taking it pretty seriously too like um i think we kind of started taking it seriously from the jump like we didn't really think like oh we're just gonna release this on the internet and like see if people like it and it'd be a digital project and we were just like we were just like let's like tour and let's do the whole shebang well it's kind of interesting that it seems like there's a lot of people in your scene who are going back to playing in bands again you know, I, I always thought like the emo rap label was kind of dumb because most of you guys don't actually rap, you know, but whatever. So you were in, I can't remember the name of it. I was trying to find it, but you were in like a metalcore band back in the day. And most of the people in your scene were in bands. And it kind of seems like everyone's doing the same thing. It's like, man, I miss playing in bands. Let's, let's do a band again. Yeah, I was in a bunch of bands like growing up, like, a bunch of bands that aren't worth acknowledging and then like a few bands that like did good locally and then like the one i heard was good yeah one, one band i was in um was called begotten and they're actually doing pretty well right now they're signed to stay sick or i guess stay sick changed their name okay but they're, they're signed to stay sick they're called begotten i started that band with the homie caleb and then we like got a bunch of members and stuff went for a little while and at the same time i was doing lotus and then yeah lotus just started doing really well and i was like yo guys like i'm gonna have to like step back from this shit and do this because in this area i don't need five other guys or four other guys to be like you know making the music it's just yeah. me and a producer and i don't have to split it five ways and i don't have to pack in a van with five guys like if i don't want to plus crew right like so i was just like this just makes more sense and I decided to do that. But the whole time that I've been doing Lotus, like I've always been like, I've always said this. I'm like, I want, I don't, I don't want to just be on stage with a, just a DJ and me. It's so bad. Like very, very few people can pull that off. Yeah. It's like, you have to have the people that pull it off have like the whole, they have dancers. Yeah. They have, you know, a whole crazy light rig and some crazy stage setup. Like, not like knocking like anything that anybody's done already, but it's like, cause a lot of people have done it really well and it fits like their whole like vibe and shit. But like for me, like what I want to give to an audience is like a full experience of like, I'm watching the whole stage and I'm like, I don't know where the fuck to look. And there's overload like of shit going on. And like, you can do that with a band. Like yeah. you can have like five guys up there pouring their heart out going crazy breaking all their shit and performing and like you're just like you're never gonna forget that ever like i remember when i like one of my favorite bands like live that that i like always looked up to as far as like their performance and like you know making it memorable and everything was like let live mm -hmm. like 
that yeah. was like insane yeah jason's wild dude he's insane and he still is <laughs> yeah like it, it's sick but like that's like where i like pull all that inspiration from to put on like a really good show live have you ever seen like one of the like like a, a radio rapper live that's like platinum selling super popular and they're just fucking terrible I mean, obviously, I don't expect you to name names, but like, <laughs> you know, I've seen some of those uh, and I'm just like, wow, you have no idea how to play a show. Yeah. Which is fine. It's just not really part of their culture the way it is with yours. At some point, it turns into karaoke. Yeah. And they'll have like the full song playing and they're just kind of like saying a couple words here and there. And, you know, if people have fun with it, that's cool. But uh, I think that what you can bring to the table and, and you know, everyone else that's been in a band is like actually being able to play live in a way that other people can't. Yeah. That's like another thing that's like really cool about IIDF is that, you know, like we've got like me and Ned, we've got like, uh, Ned and Zubin, like we've got like, those were this, that would go out as like, as a package, like, Oh, Ned would DJ for Zubin. Ned would DJ for me. So if we toured, you know, like it's like Lotus, yeah, right. Zubin, you know, IIDF. And like then, even then, we can add in the aspects of like on stage guitar, like, you know, on stage like drums, like, and still have a DJ. And it's like we're performing all night, which is completely fine because we love doing it. We're performing all night, but it's still like the fuller experience. And then we get to perform in the band later. Like, that's what, that's, how I envision it and uh, we've talked about it as a band too is that like we could totally go and like just play these guitars live and like have a track that's running the DJ shit and have like drums and like the big parts and it's like that experience that I want to give with Lotus that's connected to the vibe you get with IIDF and any other band that performs live. So it's almost like you could have a whole tour in like one van. <laughs> one van yeah which is cool because that just makes life a lot easier so when did you kind of first realize that you were going to focus on being a solo artist i was working a warehouse job and i was doing that band and we had just started we were just right starting to write s some stuff and and i was just like I don't stop this now. I'm going to be here forever. Like, yeah. I was just like, gamble. Like, if you like, I suck at gambling. I don't bet. I don't anything like that. I've gone to Vegas with my girl and I've lost all of it and then some. And I've watched her go and sit down and push one button and money starts flying out. So, like, I just know that I, that's not You're my cursed. thing. Yeah. So, I was just like, just once in your life, do this, take this bet. Just like, I was like, just do it. I did it. And then it, I, I don't know, I just quit and like, I, I think I was living in an apartment and then I was like, you know what, like I'm moving back to my mom's for a sec, I'm to see what I can do. And sure enough, like not too long after that, I was like moved out to LA. I'm interested in that because, you know, I don't know if you've seen any of my videos, but I've been talking about a lot recently about how I think people need to think more about being a solo artist just for all the reasons you said, like financially, but also like creatively, because, you know, in a band, there's usually like one or two people that are kind of doing everything creatively. And then there's like a bunch of people that are, you know, basically just show up and play. And it's like, do you really need that person in the band? Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, I was I was definitely feeling like because I when I have ideas, I'm like, oh, I have an idea and it spawns off to another idea to another idea to where I'm like almost like. I want to write the whole song and with a band, you have to definitely listen in yeah. on everybody's input yeah. and stuff like that. And luckily with IIDF, we all have the same, we all are interested in each other's ideas. So, but I've been in bands where it's like, that idea does not sound right. And you're bickering over whether to keep this part or to keep your part or to like, and like, well, let's have a version of this way. And then let's listen right, to it. Let's right. have a version this way. And like that just that just kills like the vibe. It just turns into like a chore, and you're just like, dude, this isn't fun. I'm just fucking arguing. Exactly. And l luckily, it's like with, with IIDF, I can leave a blank space where I, like sometimes I'm just like not creatively there. I can leave a blank space, and like I'll be like, yo, I got nothing here, but 
the rest of the song I have, you know, this for. Maybe we change the part so I can write something. Maybe you, maybe somebody else put something on there. I'm open for whatever. And then everybody's like, yeah, like, I got an idea. I got an idea. And then it's more of a thing where we're like, fuck, all of them are so good. Which one do we choose? So it's like, it's never like a bad thing with us. Like, it's always like a sick thing. Um, like, we're just like, it just makes it better. Um, or like Zubin will like pitch like a whole, he's, he'll send me, he's like, yo, I started this song idea on acoustic. Like, we can make it like a band song. And it just sounds fucking beautiful. I'm like, I don't want to touch it. Like, I don't want to fucking ruin right. it. Like, it's perfect. Like, I mean, when you can find people that you really respect and vibe with like that, that's amazing. But it's so rare and it takes years to find those people. You know, if it, you're just like the random local band, do you really like, are you really helping yourself by just sort of like lots of times in those situations, your basis is just the one person, you know, who owns a base, you know? And it's like, is that really helping you? Yeah. Well, the cool thing is like, since we all, I, I feel like this is why IDF like works so well is because like we already had our solo stuff and we already fucked with each other's solo stuff. Like in general, like we are just like, I love every song you put out. So, and I love every song you put out. I love every one of your beats. Like I love your band that you used to play for. Like it's so we just like naturally did our own thing and admired each other's like work and like stuff like that so when it comes together it's like you don't really have to worry because you're actually like a fan of your friend you know you're you're a fan of like like who you're in a band with like so it just i guess it just works out really well that way so we kind of been like scouting each other out this whole time like who would i be in a band with if i was going to be in a band because they've got the vocals they got the beats they got like the idea the structure like who is it going to be? And then it's, we just hang out all the time already. So we're like, fuck, let's do it. Yeah. I was, I've always thought it was really cool how there's that collaborate, that culture of collaboration, which is, it kind of almost makes it like a band. It's like, even though you guys are all solo artists, you can collaborate with each other whenever. Yeah. We're just like a new band for every single. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's a perfect way to put it. And I think that's cool. Cause it's always a little bit of a different take on it. You know, like, you and cold heart have done a bunch of stuff together and you know it there's that kind of version of you and then there's another version of you and i think that's kind of a cool dynamic yeah yeah so how did the epitaph thing come together because i totally didn't see that coming at all epitaph was a really like the beginning of it was really funny because uh my manager is mass gorilla mm-hmm. he's like super he was like yo have you heard of this label and um he said it weird he said epitaph weird epitaph and or was, <laughs> he said epitaph epitaph right. so he said epitaph yeah he said something weird and i was like i'm over the phone and i'm like what and he's like have you heard of this label <laughs> i'm like what and i'm like just text it to me because I, I have no idea what you're saying and then so i'm thinking like oh it's, it's just a shitty label it's like yeah. like little tiny label that's trying to reach out or whatever and then he sends me the thing. I'm like, oh, you mean fucking Epitaph? Like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking like? I was like, Epitaph? Yeah, I fucking know Epitaph. I was like, it's only like my favorite bands are on that label. Like, what the fuck? And so he's like, yeah, like, they were talking to someone else about me and a few other artists and trying to reach out. And so we just went straight to them. We're like, oh, they're interested. I was like, why don't you just send them the email and be like, what's up? Like we heard y'all like talking about us or like yeah. whatever, or y'all are like looking for us or something, and then so he did, and then we're in meetings like the next fucking within that month, I guess. Like and yeah, I just like it just made sense to me because like me like Lotus is like such a project where I I did take that gamble and was like oh like I want to you know I want to make it and do something like I want to you know live off this like and stop working at this warehouse but i've always been kind of just like it's all about the music for me and it's like just like i've just kind of been like that about it and um i was just like i don't know if i want to sign to a major like i don't know if i want to do all that like i had been talking to my my manager about it for a while that we had a bunch of offers from other places that i was just like yo like i was also on drugs like at this one point like a long time ago whenever majors were like hitting me up and i was like 
I was like, nah, fuck that. Like, I don't want to be on a, on a major. Like, and so my, my manager was just like, he doesn't want to sign anybody. He doesn't want to do anything. So he didn't think I would want to sign the epitaph. And then I was just like, this is a place where I feel like, <laughs> no, I was no, like this, this is different. Is, this is it. This is yeah. different. Like, this is like childhood dream type sign. This is like, you know, all my favorite bands. I feel like I would just be at home and I don't feel like I'm a rapper and everyone's going to paint me as a rapper. That's not what I am. Never be what I am. Like my music is like deeper than that. I felt like, and like, um, I was just felt like it was the right move. So we just took the meetings and it worked out perfect. Yeah. It's awesome. I, I mean, I, I think that's a super cool move on their part and makes a lot of sense for you too. It seems like Brett is really like hands-on and supportive. I've seen him pictures of him, like in the studio with, I think like smart death or someone. And, you know, it seems like he's like really stoked on it. You know, he's always like, we're always texting new songs, like, to, oh, I'm always texting new songs to him. He's always like, song, that song, like, we should get super hands, super, which is like the best thing you can ask for if you're uh-huh. signing it anywhere. Like, sick. Yeah. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, You can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. Well, uh, speaking of drugs, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that too, because that's um, something that I have a little bit of experience with too. Maybe not quite as much experience as you do, but uh, more more experience than I would like. <laughs> and th- this is one of the things about, you know, kind of your scene that, that worries me. I feel like the scene dad, because I'm a lot older than you guys, and I love what all of you guys are doing. And I understand why 
there's so much drug use in the scene because I've been there. And I understand that it's not as simple. Like, I don't think the music glorifies it exactly. I think it's kind of the opposite, actually, that it talks about, like, it's explaining, like, why people use drugs. So I don't think it's glorifying it all the time, but sometimes it is. What I don't see is, like, a lot of people who are kind of trying to get out of it. Like, I'm sympathetic of why people use drugs, but it kind of just like, man, I really wish there were more people talking about kind of getting out of that spiral, which you've done. It seems like there's not a lot of other people. Can you kind of talk about, I don't know, what do you think about that? The way I see the whole, like, promoting drug use and music and like in in like our world and stuff because it's different and your world is different than like little pump or something like that which just straight up does promote it but i think with you guys it's a little different i think there was a bunch of artists that like didn't necessarily promote it but they speak about them being feeling a certain way and they resort to this and Mm -hmm. something happens and they resort to that and like and it's not like I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was promoting it because they're just like being honest and like yeah. that's one huge thing with me is that like I always want to be honest and like I I I used to talk about like how I would like I want to get so high that it sends me through the ceiling like I used to say that in my songs like I used to say like oh these drugs are gonna send me through the ceiling like all kinds of like terrible shit but like that people maybe like outside would be like oh, he's cool and he's saying that. And a lot of people don't realize that like that's how people listen to it. Yeah. That he's cool and saying that. So like I want to be like that. Like, but it's like really just the artist being honest. There is like a lot of other artists that they do just like how you say like they just like promote it. They're just like, yeah, like go. But I don't I don't think you have ever done that, at least not that I'm aware of. No, I don't think I ever really I never really promoted anything. I was just like talking about how miserable I was and yeah. how fucked up i was and shit but yeah it's just like i know that like a bunch of like sober artists too like i know some of them but i haven't seen too too much like oh let's get off drugs together because i guess in a way it's hard to get out it's just hard it's really hard to get out you gotta really really want to get out is it hard being sober around so many people that are still using and stuff uh it used to be for me i was sober for like a year and some change like year and a half and uh before i had like a relapse and like now i'm sober again and i would get really like anxious and really like felt like left like left out and really like weird i felt like i was like the weirdo and shit like that and all that um so it was at first but like after a while it 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 wasn't then i hit my whole denial stage where i was like my my whole like not denial uh my whole what would you call it or I just thought I had it um, all under control. And oh, yeah. like, I was like, yo, I'm better now. Like I did shrooms and I had this awakening and I found God. And like, <laughs> now I can have a drink. Like now I can like go back to like doing all this other shit. And I just some recreationally people can handle that, you know, some people, some people are wired to just be yeah. able to say, oh, I had one too. Like I'm good. Not me. Yeah. <laughs> Not this guy. Um, and then like within three months, I'm like right back in the pit of it and, uh, I'm just fucking everything up and going crazy. And I was just like, yeah, dude, like you're not like everybody else. And that's like, cool. Like that's, that's fine. You just need some extra help and you got to stop. So, so I did, but, um, so now I hit, here I am sober again. <laughs> well, I'm, ha- I'm happy to hear that. If I was an artist, I would be really scared of getting sober because, like, unfortunately, I think the truth is that, like, a lot of good art does happen when you're in a shitty place. And I would be kind of scared to be happy. You seem like you're pretty happy now. How do you feel about that? Yeah, that that was my, that's, it sounds really fucked up, but my, yeah, my biggest fear of getting better was getting better. Like, mm-hmm. it was like, it was feeling better. Like, I wanted to feel better, but I wanted to still have this, where I draw this inspiration from. Like, where do I draw this new inspiration from if I have nothing beating me down? Like, and that's part of, like, me, like, just self-sabotaging and just, like, you know, like, I'm just comfortable there. But, like, you find new inspiration. You find new things to write about. You remember what it felt like to, because IDF, like, actually, no, I was still fucked up during, it it was, like, two weeks of April, and, I was still drinking and still doing shit. 
and I wrote that whole shit like fucked up and I I wrote no serenity about being fucked up and thinking I was going to stay there forever and like it was just going to kill me one day and like or I was going to kill myself and uh that's what like that song was about and all the other songs I was remembering like other shit but like lately like while I write I just go back to those times and it's like I'm such a like feelings person like if you can't tell already um that you know I can go back to those like moments and remember what it felt like and I can get stuck there for a second and like pull some inspiration I'm writing a sad song if I'm like a flex like happy song like oh like I'm better like never felt better never felt better I wrote about like when I used to like just do drugs all the time I even say like uh had to stop doing Xanax so I could do what I'm supposed to and like it's like I don't know it's just like a I remember that and that's not me anymore but we can still write music yeah, I mean, I think you did it. It's Never Get Away. I really like that song, but it's almost kind of hard for me to listen to because it takes me back to when I felt like that and when I was living that way. And it's like, honestly, like difficult for me to listen to because it just brings me right back there. So I think you did it and not everybody can. Like the, It's like a lot of people put out their sober album and you're like, man, I'm glad this guy is sober, but his music fucking sucks now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's how I was super scared of that. I was like, damn, I'm going to change. But when I go back and I listen to a lot of my early stuff for a lot of songs that didn't come out, like I found my laptop and it's like my drug laptop. And it's like the stickers all over it and shitty shit in the fucking keyboard and all that shit. And um, I found it and I had a bunch of sessions that were like the songs that I never got someone on or I never ended up putting out. And I completely forgot I had and I probably would have put out. And I was like, damn, I'm glad this didn't come out. Like <laughs> some of them, I thought they were way better in the moment than they actually were. And I think also with the music, music being so it's, it's progressed. Like the overall scene has progressed. Um, so I was like, I think back then it was more acceptable to have that kind of, kind of shit in songs or whatever. And it just sounds like way better now what I'm doing. I remember like, uh, I, I'm a, or was a graphic designer. And I remember like there's some stuff that I did when I was high that when I was doing it, I was like, dude, this is so sick. This is the best shit I've ever done. This is amazing. And then I looked at it like the next day and I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> what was I thinking? There was a bunch of those that are just things where I was like, I should not have said that. Like I was being too honest. Like I was like, why are you going to go into that much detail about like how much you're railing, like how much right. shit you're just like going back. I was like, why would you do that? So it's well, kind of cringe, but. Yeah. To me, there's like a, I don't know what the right way to put it is. It's like kind of a double-edged sword of like being honest about that kind of stuff is what would make a kid who needs help listen to it. Like if you don't talk about that stuff, they're not going to be able to relate, you know? But then on on the other hand, you know, you also wonder, am I, you know, am am I, you know, encouraging them in some way? And, And so that's kind of, um, I don't know where my head is at on all that stuff is like, I'm happy that people are being honest about it. I I just kind of hope that the next step is that, you know, and I have to remember a lot of people who are making this kind of music were really young, like 17 or 18. And, and I hope that as people grow up, they'll, you know, maybe um, start talking about the next step, which is like not being in that place. Yeah. Like, and in all honesty, like whenever you're, I feel like when you're in that place and you're, you know, you're doing it like, yeah, the last thing you are thinking about is how somebody's going to, somebody's going to, you know, react to it or like feed off of it because you're like in such a crazy place that when it is honest, there's a bunch of people yeah. that aren't just being honest. They're just like, oh, I heard the person say it, so I'm going to say it. Because like all you can think about is how much pain you're in. You can't really think about how anyone else is going to react. Yeah, every single song that I wrote back then that was like about drugs or like dying off drugs or like dying just in general or like let's see if I wake up like type shit like that was all like that was like my therapy for me like because I was like there's no one for me to talk to and there's no way I was going to go tell somebody how much I was doing like like a therapist or something and then be like oh okay well like like that's not the problem let's talk about your you know let's talk about something else like you know 
like everybody was going to tell me that's the problem. Yeah. Like I had like an old manager that was like, you need to go to rehab. Like, and I was like, fuck that. Like, no, like, you know, like I would in their face, I'd be like, yeah, like, I'm going to go and get help. Like, let's, let's, I'll do it. And just like ghost them forever. Like, and, um, yeah, I was just, all the stuff was just honest. So that was just like my therapy at the time. So it's really hard to think in the moment that like, you're probably like influencing something or, uh, just putting it in someone's head like that. Well, it seems like you are in a good place now. Um, I see like your lives and stuff like that. And you like seem like you're really happy now. Yeah, I am. I actually, this is like my first time saying this, but I actually got, I went and I got diagnosed with like uh, BPD and complex PTSD and which explains a lot of my whole life stuff going on mm -hmm. and um, like why I, the decisions I made and like why I lived the way I did and stuff. And I, you know, got the psychiatrist and now I'm able to feel happy. Like now I'm able to breathe. It feels like, so everything's been way better. And I was always super against medication and talking to somebody and they're going to think I'm crazy. And then one day I was just like, Oh wait, maybe you are crazy and you just <laughs> need some help and that's okay. That's all right. It's just like if you have a broken leg, you know, you just go get help for it. Yeah. So that was the deal. And now everything is like doable. Only thing that sucks is Corona. Yeah. Like that's like, that's like the biggest thing. Like I was talking to my therapist the other day and I was just like, man, I'm feeling like down because of Corona. Like I'm feeling trapped. Like this sucks. And he's like, well, the good thing is like, you're not the only one. So it's not like, it's not yeah. like a you thing. It's like the world. So once you get out of this, you'll be able to breathe even more. So I'm excited for this shit to be over. Cause I, I haven't got to experience everyday life the way I used to in this state of mind. Well, I mean, if you can make it through this without falling back into destructive shit, then that, is a good sign that you have made like permanent progress. Yeah, that's true. So I read an interview with you from a couple months ago where you were crediting your relationship with being a big part of why you're in a better spot now, which was totally true for me. I, I mean, I don't know where I would be if I didn't meet my wife. I mean, and having that kind of a support network to me is like, I just, it, it's like oxygen or something to me. Like, I don't know how it could possibly function without it. How did it change your life to find that relationship? It changed my life insanely. It's crazy because I was like always dating people that were just like, just like, yes, man. Like they're just like, you know, I could get away with murder with them. Like mm -hmm. I could do whatever the fuck and it was okay and stuff like that. And then you meet somebody that holds you accountable and it's like, fuck, <laughs> it's like crazy. Like part of you, like every bone in your body is like, this isn't, this isn't right. Like, you're supposed to agree with me and here's like, I'm supposed to be able to go and do whatever and like, and it, and it be okay. Even if it's like a bad decision. And, um, no, my girl's just fucking sick. Like she just like holds me accountable to everything. And like, it like, I don't know, whenever I was like really on, like really bad on drugs, she gave me, she even gave me the chance of like, okay, you think you got it figured out, but if it gets bad again, like, whenever I was like, Oh, I'm good. Like I can, I can do whatever. She's like, you think you got to figure it out? Like I'm trusting you, but the second it gets out of hand, like I'm going to, you know, I'm going to call it. I'm going to like call it and be like, yo, I, I can see like it's fucking up shit. And the second it did, which was really bad. I had my relapse and I had like a three day bender where I just like went nuts. She was like, yeah, this is not working. And like, you can do whatever the fuck you want, but like, I'm not going to watch you kill yourself. Mm hmm and so she's like it's either you you know get help or you're you're gonna die and so i was just like fuck i was had this crazy she like yeah she let my mom know like my managers and everybody and she's like y'all gotta you know everybody's gotta take care of him because like i can't do it anymore and then i was like fuck i'm ruining everything like i'm gonna lose everything like lose money lose my career lose my girl like, and I just decided, I was like, fuck it. So it was like a mini intervention. <laughs> it's that moment of clarity where you, uh, like, 
I mean, my mom was an AA, so I went to all these AA meetings and stuff with her when I was a kid, and they would always talk about like the moment of clarity where you realize that if you keep going like this, you're going to die, and or you look in the mirror and you hate the person you've become. I, I had the second one. I never felt like I was going to die, but I, I mean, I, like, I, I, my friend and I got a fucking giant rock of blow like the size of a golf ball and did it all in like six hours, and it was like 7 a.m. on a Sunday in downtown L.A., and I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, this is disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, this is, if I, if, if, like, I think about, I was thinking about, like, if people I went to high school with saw me living like this, now they'd be like, what happened to you? Like, why are you living like this? Yeah, it was real funny. Like, people from high school, like, when I went to high school, I was always, like, doing drugs and shit. Everybody's like, oh, like, he's a bad kid and stuff like that. And then I came back you know, would visit and I'm like, y'all are all doing blow. And I'm like, they're, they're all doing blow and shit. And I was like, all right, I'll do blow with y'all. And they'd see, they'd, they'd be like, yeah, like we're doing it. Like whatever, like it's cool now. And I was just like, yeah, yeah. And then we'd start doing something together and then they'd see how much I do or like whatever, something like that. And it'd just be like, they'd be like, oh, you're the bad kid again. Like, oh, it's <laughs> like we don't do it like that. Like, I was like, oh, you're not doing it. I just, it's nights like those, those crazy fucking benders. Yeah. I had to fucking call it. No, I, I had a similar kind of thing as I eventually got diagnosed with depression. And then I realized like, oh, the reason I was doing all that stuff is because I was dealing with depression and making a lot of really bad choices and stuff like that. And, you know, like you, you, you treat the root cause and then uh, suddenly you don't feel like doing drugs anymore. Yeah, that's for fucking sure. I still have, I feel like I still have my urges, but I just, you have to weigh, weigh out the consequences because... I feel I feel like any addict you're like you know you're, you're still reminiscing on like that last time you did or like the first yeah. time you did and then it's like once you have all these good things like for me it's like so much good has come out of me being sober like out of my whole life like that year and a half that I was sober so much good positive shit happened for me like not just like material wise or just like like with that it just happened to be whenever i got signed i signed with epitaph and all that like not just stuff like that but like just like finding myself and like like that clarity that we we're talking about that i don't want to i'm terrified to lose that like even now like, with me you know seeing a therapist and like you know being on medicine and stuff like that like i was just talking to my girl the other day and like she was just asking me like you know she like she checks up on me and she's like how are you feeling like what's going on like how, how have you been thinking have you you know do you still feel like urges? Like, do you feel like you want to like try anything again? Like just cause you know, she worries and she wants to make sure I'm good. And, um, I was like, I feel like my biggest fear right now is like ever feeling like I used to feel mm -hmm. like, and if anything jeopardizes that, like it, it terrifies me. Like, I'm like, if I don't go to therapy and if I don't take my medicine, I would probably have a fucking panic attack and be like, fuck, and I'd be off the wall and you would not hear from me for like a week be someone's couch fucked up with hell's bell's nose and fucking yeah it'd just be it'd be a wrap how do fans feel about like happy lotus I feel like they like it i've definitely noticed like a change in it like I, de I definitely know i had more engaging fans whenever i was like just being crazy because like whenever i was just like on drugs because Lotus on drugs is entertaining to watch. Of course. It's like a fucking, it ends badly. I definitely noticed that I had a lot of people that were like, fuck anymore, but those are the people that didn't care. Like, yep. you know, those, so getting sober and, and living the way that I live now is kind of weeded out the, the ones that were just watching the ones that are actually there for it. There's people that sometimes, you know, that I've known for a long time that'll be like, Oh, how come you don't talk about this or that? Like you used to. Like, because I wanted to fucking kill myself every five minutes back then. And I'm sure that was real entertaining for you, but it wasn't that great for me. So if you want me to be your entertaining fucking train wreck, then bye. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Like, I remember I used to, like, be railing and blow, like, on Instagram Live. I'd, like, go live with friends and I'd be like, yo, rail some with me. And they'd, like, we'd be on, on the IG Live. <laughs> just doing it and i'm like how is this not getting taken down like how is how am i not getting reported right now this is this is sick and now i don't do that so but it's like everybody in there is like oh like 
your skin your, what's your skin routine like <laughs> oh you look, <laughs> right. you look better like you look so much better like your body looks better like you you know you seem happy you seem and i, I like that shit like it's cool because before i wasn't paying attention to anything anyone was saying i just was on ig live like people are just like hell yeah lol you're yeah. crazy you're wild and, you know and i wasn't really paying attention or interacting with them either like we're just they were watching me and i was just like here here's your regular programming load is fucking off off this shit i think a lot of fans i mean a lot of those kids are probably really young and they probably don't really even understand what they're watching like they probably to them it's just like fun times like they probably don't understand that they're watching somebody kill themselves basically yeah and that right there that's that's where i would say i'm guilty of the whole you know like that that definitely is more along the lines of the whole promoting like that's like a commercial for it right, right there. Right. So that's where I definitely feel like I was uh, guilty of stuff like that. Well, I mean, we've all done it, <laughs> but cool. Well, uh, I guess the last thing I wanted to ask you about with uh, if I die first and stuff is like what it is about that particular era that kind of draws you to it because I feel like there's a whole wave of people that are like kind of on that same page right now. Yeah. I mean, there's like new bands that come into the picture and stuff like that. But like when I think it starts off with like when I was like younger, um, I like stole this iPod and I like took it to my neighbor and I was like, yo, can you jailbreak this for me so I can use it? Because I can't get into it. And then he's like, yeah, but only if you let me put the music I want to put on it. And so I was like, sure, fuck it. Like, do whatever you want. And so he like took it and he like put sales in and he put glass jaw. And he put uh, Emery and Funeral for a Friend and Silverstein and Alisana and like all these bands and like uh, like a fuck ton more like Escape the Fate like he put a bunch of shit on there and I was like okay like this is cool like I was like this is fire and like growing up like I was only allowed to listen to like Christian stuff like like I or like like barely the radio like some stuff was too provocative like for my parents to let me listen to some stuff was too like too i don't know not godly enough right and like i was just like i was stuck listening to that kind of shit so for me i was like this is fucking sick and it was just my first love like you know and so like that stuck with me like as i got older like my favorite bands have always kind of had some inspiration from that like they've kind of sounded like that they've kind of you know, carried themselves the same way. Like, Seosin definitely has, like, Seosin with Anthony Green. Like, I love all Seosin, but Seosin with Anthony Green is, like, that translating the name EP is, like, yeah. my first true love. Like, yeah, it, it was it was sick. So that naturally just had to be what, you know, IIDF ended up being. Like, and I think we also noticed a lot of, like, people, like, shout out Space Cowboy, i see space cowboy because like i was like they're like doing like they're they're still hardcore but they like have so many like little like things that remind me of that you know Mm -hmm. that remind me of like those bands and shit and i was like i i I love that and i was like i think we were we were watching that and we're like we can do it right now like we always been talking about doing it but like we can do it like we're definitely inspired to do it because we've seen other bands do it in their way too and i like we don't sound like Sea Space Cowboy, but we're like the singy, the singy mm-hmm. sister of Sea Space Cowboy. Well, you got to send that iPod dude a royalty check then. I know, right? I, <laughs> I owe him something. Do you still know? Like, have you talked to him at all? Um, here we go. Uh, but I don't think we went to in, in depth about anything. One of my friends was like, "Oh, I want a car," and I was like, "Oh, my homie sells cars. I got the car street from my mom's house. I'll tell." And so that was all we really talked about. He's like, you do music still? And I was like, yeah. (laughs) And I showed him a few things. He's like, sit. And then that was it. Well, at least least you give him a shout out. So he he can be happy about that. Well, before I let you go, uh, you had a couple, you've got a couple things coming up that I want to make sure we talk about. um, So everyone's aware of those. Can you tell everyone what those are? Yeah. Volume two of my three part album is out volume one already came out right before all the craziness and everything so i put a little hold on it while the while the protests and everything was going really really hard i didn't want to didn't want to put anything out 
that we were out there protesting and shit. So I took a break from everything and um, put out volume two recently. I think about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, and dropping a music video tomorrow for this one song called Razor, which is probably going to be really, really big. It's one of the uh, everyone's favorite song right now. And then volume three comes out not too long after that. Yeah, listen to that, All My Little Scars. Right on. Well, thanks again for doing this, and uh, I will keep an eye out for all that stuff. Cool. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that, and you can just sit at home thinking about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard.